0: Okay, so in this series last week, Thanks Giving, I'll put a chart up on the screen for you, okay? And this is what I talked to you about last week. And I said that uh, in this unpacking of Mark chapter 4, we kind of unpacked this a little bit. But essentially, we talked about the difference in people's soil, if you would, their heart. We talked all about this. We said the difference of people who have a kingdom heart versus a crowded heart, a shallow heart, a hard heart was giving. And I just want you, to, if you remember this, to go back. We said that the difference in somebody who's growing in grace is giving. And all these people are growing. And the first step for somebody, they come in church and they get to know God and they experience grace. Because if you remember... There was a, uh, a study done, 500, I think it was 25 churches, 180,000 people participated in this survey that we talked about last week, and in that, they tried to narrow down these groups, and they said there's these different people inside of a church, and the first group were people who were exploring God, the second group were people who they said were beginning in God, a third group were people who were close to God, and there's a fourth group of people Who were God-centered, and then we just paralleled that with this soil picture, and so we said in each stage of transition, there's a person that goes from exploring God—that is, before they know grace of God, before they come to know Jesus. I don't know if we have the chart that says exploring God. If you do, you can find that one, but it might help you understand it. But exploring God, they experience the grace of God. Then it goes into beginning with God. Then from beginning in God, they experience God's Word. They get into God's Word. Then they become close to God, and then eventually they become God-centered. So we unpacked this whole chart last week and we said the big differentiation between somebody who is close to God to somebody who's God-centered is giving, that everything centers around this word giving. All right, so here's the recap statement. We said those who grow in grace grow in giving. Here's the whole takeaway that I want you to understand it if you missed part one. Those who grow in grace grow in giving. There is a direct correlation in this study. 525 churches, 180,000 people participated in this. And there's a direct correlation between those who grow in their relationship with God and their giving. And it's the giving that makes all the difference. And it's not just giving finances. It's giving in your time, your talent, and your treasure. And you will find the people who are constantly giving and serving in the kingdom of God. It's because they are people who at some point in their life decided, I'm going to live a God-centered life. That God revolves or I, I revolve around God, like God is the center of my heart. And so in this series, of course, we're talking about thanks and we're talking about giving. Specifically, if you have a Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And in this series, we're looking at a church in Corinth. We'll put a map up on the screen. Because all this has to do with us becoming people who are givers, because people who are growing in grace are givers. That's what Jesus is all about. That's what people who should follow him should be all about. And so we're unpacking this understanding of this I'm going to teach, I hope, today on this very well in a way that you understand and can understand the importance of giving as it relates to the body of Christ. All right, today we're going to continue Second Corinthians chapter 8, the same story, and we're just going to go a little deeper into the text. All right, so we're going to put a map up. And here's what the map is. Paul, who writes this letter to a church in Corinth. Follow me on this. He writes this letter, and he's going to talk about three churches. All right? Three churches in specific to this area that we call Mesopotamia, or Macedonia. Sorry. So Macedonia, and you have three churches, Thessalonica, Berea, and Philippi. I'll say that again. So three churches, Thessalonica, Philippi and Berea these three churches that exist in Macedonia now at the very southern region you see an area called Achaia and right near Achaia you see a church called Corinth this all matters so that you can understand the geography of this letter what Paul is doing Paul is writing this letter that we're reading from to this church down here in Corinth on the south side where Achaia is and he's talking about in the letter you'll see Macedonian churches these churches from Macedonia who's he talking about He's talking about Berea, he's talking about Philippi, and he's talking about the church at Thessalonica. All right, so that's the context of which Paul is writing. And he's saying, Church in Corinth, I want you to take a picture, take a look at these three churches, because they're getting something done right. That's his whole point in this letter. Alright, so here's what it is: 2 Corinthians, we're gonna go chapter 8, verse 1. We're gonna read through the first five verses fairly fast, because we went through those last week, and then we'll move into verse 6. All right, he says, and now, brothers and sisters. We want you to know about the grace, all right? If you have a Bible, have your notes, you would highlight that because it's all about grace. The grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. That's what he's talking about. Now we know. In the midst of a severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us. For the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. So, if you were to unpack 1 Corinthians 16, I think it is, uh, Paul was talking to them and they're taking a collection up for the body of Christ. So, this collection is to go help other believers ultimately. All right, then he says, They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. We talked about that last week as well. And then, by the will of God, also to us. So, they gave themselves to the Lord and then they gave to, to us. Here's Paul's point. These Macedonian churches, the churches I just mentioned to you, they did not need any prompting to give. Paul was having to prompt the church in Corinth, though, because he's talking to the church in Corinth about these three churches, so he's having to kind of prompt them a little bit into their giving. We all understand what it's like, probably, to feel prompted to give. Just by show of hands, just curious, how many of you have ever stayed away from church because they talked about giving too much? Okay, come on, don't be afraid, it's okay. you know, have you ever been in a, an environment in a church setting that the giving was like really pressured a little too much, you thought, and so you thought not going back there, raise your hand. Anybody ever experienced something like that? All right, hands are in the room, more. All right, and so how many of you have been pressured to give something to some organization somewhere at some time at some place? Pressured to give, okay, good, all right. So you you get this idea of what it feels like To feel pressure to give. Now, how many of you love to feel pressure to give? Probably not many, right? We don't want to feel pressure to give. Well, Paul, in this letter, is going to apply a little pressure to give. He doesn't want to have to give pressure to give. It's just this is something that he's having to do with this church. He's having to get this church to kind of feel a little bit of the pressure. He's trying, hey, I need to prompt you on this. But I'm going to show you an example of a church that needs no prompting at all. No special collections here needed. Not not even askings. We don't even have to throw it up on the screen at our church. We don't even have to nudge you, pass a bucket, nothing. No prompting necessary. For some of you thinking, I've never seen a church like that. There was a church like that. I just want you to imagine today, follow the story, see the truth in God's word. Imagine sitting in a church where no asking of giving is needed. Never even needs to be asked. In fact, this church went further than that. They asked, Can we please give? Which I mentioned last week as well, just like, what? Just imagine going to a church where people show up going, hey, please, please, pastor, can we, can we give? Can we give? Can we give? Can we give more? Please? Do you need any more? Do you need more? Any more volunteers? Do you need any more? I'll do it. Like, just imagine the giving in this, right? This actually happened. I know for some of us, we're thinking, no, that was long. But this actually happened, and this is what Paul's getting at, all right? So he's talking to the church that's not giving, as they should, And so he talks about a church that is giving as they should. So I want to just kind of make us think about this today. I want you to see this. Paul is not needing to beg them for any money. They begged him. So I want to ask a question today, and this is what I want you to see in the text. What separates those who need to be persuaded in giving and those who don't? What separates that? How, how do you become a church? If you wanted to be a church or if just a person, like how do you get to this place where you need no prompting to give at all? It's just like you beg to give. What, what is it? Well, that's what I'm gonna try to help us find out today. Good news is the answer is very clear, just a few verses down. All right, we're gonna look at verse six. We're gonna go through verse seven, eight, and then into nine, okay? So just a couple of verses. Here's what he says. So we have urged Titus, this is Paul writing, go back to verse six, so we have urged Titus, he sends a guy down to do the dirty work, right? Who encouraged your giving in the first place. Now, I love this about Paul. He's like, I'm gonna send somebody to go talk to you about giving, right? And so he does and he gives this invitation and he says, to return to you and encourage you to finish, watch this, the ministry of giving. Oh, I love this. I love teaching on giving, by the way. is one of my favorites. Are you shocked by that at all? But I want you to see this, the ministry of giving. Man, how often have you, if you've been in church, I mean, this is, how many of you have ever felt like, I am called to the ministry of giving? Anybody? Okay, no hands. So we probably won't last long here if that's like the ministry. Just, just, here's my point. I want you to wrap your head around this. I'm called to worship ministry. I'm called to children's ministry. I'm called to youth. I'm telling, I've am telling i been in church 16 years. I've never met one person who came to me and said, I just really am called to the ministry of giving. How much do you need? Do I need to read? The, but this is about teaching the truth of God's word. So I am here to teach you the truth of God's word. And then you do what you want with God's word. Amen? All right. There is a ministry of giving. How many of you did not know there was a ministry of giving? Please raise your hand, just to make me feel like, you know, I didn't even know that. Great, I'm teaching good then. All right, so this is working. There's a ministry of giving. We all agree? Say amen. There is a ministry of giving. It's clear. Scripture is clear. There's a ministry of giving. And I know what some of you are thinking. Well, that's not me. Good, all right, so here we go. All right, so here's what Paul writes about this church. He says, since you excel in so many ways, And then he brags about him, almost a little sarcasm. How many like a little sarcasm? Maybe a little sarcastic here. I'm a little kind. He's like, you guys are so good, right? And then he says, here's what you think you're so good at. You're so good at your faith. And man, I've showed up to your church, and you have some really gifted speakers. Man, they are good. They will preach the paint off the walls, And, of course, the church in Corinth is like, yeah, we got some good speakers at our church. You should listen to our band because they are second to none, man. Oh, they can play and sing and, ooh, yeah, woo, you know, right? And then he goes on, man, your faith is good and your knowledge. Oh, you got so much knowledge in your church. You have so much knowledge. Oh, we got great groups and you do Bible studies and you should see your prayer circle team. Like, they're praying. Oh, it's amazing. Your knowledge of God's word. It's incredible. This is what I picture Paul doing in person, but he writes the letter. He sends Titus. No wonder he sends Titus, right? Okay, your enthusiasm. Man, you dance, you sing, you kneel, Oh, it's incredible. I was there at your service. Oh, wow, the church in Corinth. Man, you should see there. There are lights and, oh, man, that's so good. The moving things. Oh, it's awesome. Man, so, so good. Some of you already know where I'm headed with this, right? Where's the button All this? He says, oh, and your enthusiasm and your love from us. Oh, man, your love's so good. All right, he says, and your love from us. I want you, though, to excel in something else, too. You brag about your gift of speakers, your faith, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, but I want you to excel also in this, the graciousness and the gift of giving. See, you brag about so many things about your church, but let's get down to the dollars. Oh, it just got real. And the way you feel right now is the way they all felt when they received the letter and Titus is sitting there. But he says, you know, there's a problem. You're bragging about it. And if you go read 1 Corinthians, right, chapter 12, what is it all about? Spiritual gifts, which Paul writes about. And then chapter 14 is all about spiritual gifts. What's chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians all about? Love. You see, you're excelling in all of these gifts, but you're negating the most important one, love. The reason 1 Corinthians 13 is all about love, it's not even about marriage, it's about Spiritual gifts. That's why it's in the context of spiritual gifts that he says, he's like, all this stuff that you're doing sounds great, band sounds great, looks great, church is great, but here's the problem. You're missing love. And if you go further into 1 John, he would say, you know how I know you're missing love? 1 John chapter three, verse 17 through 18. I won't turn there, you can just look it up. 17 through 18, you know what he says? You know how you prove what love is? yes. Want to prove your love? Give. Give your time, give your talent, and give your treasure. All three. Very important. How do I know that? Look what he's bragging about. He's saying, man, you excel in so many ways. Your faith, your gift to speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your hospitality team, your set-up teardown team. Man, this is incredible if they had set-up and teardown team. He's bragging about all of their service. But in no way is he saying that's an exchange for this is equivalent of saying today so you thank you and excel, excel in all these things and excel also in giving write this key truth down giving is a work of god's grace in us did you notice back in verse 7 it says in the gracious act of giving the gracious act of giving the giving is, there's, there's a grace that comes along with it. That's why I say that giving is a work of God's grace in us. Giving is what comes from God's grace working in and through our lives. So whenever we're not giving, then we are literally putting like a, a dam, like a water dam, and we're stopping the grace flow through us. No different than when you don't use your gift, your talent. You're stopping the grace flow through you. When you don't give your time to God's purposes in your life, you're stopping the grace of flowing through your life into somebody else. It's acknowledging God's work of grace in us. Gracious act. It's the fourth time he mentions grace over and over and over giving, and he's talking about giving. So he's putting these two things together. In addition to that, Paul wants them to know this. Write this down. Generous serving is not a substitute for generous giving. Let me unpack that. I have heard this. I've been in ministry 16 years, and I've heard many people say it. Oh, my giving is my, my time here. Where is that in Scripture? You won't find it. In fact, you find the complete opposite right here. He says, listen, you talk about enthusiasm, you talk about this, and you're singing, and you're playing, and you're serving, and your knowledge, and you're preaching, but that is in no place. Somehow, some reasoning to not give? Can you imagine if I, as your pastor, said, "Hey, I just got to know, hey, I do the preaching around here. No need for me to give." How many of you be like, "That's the kind of pastor we want." Yeah, right there. That's the kind of guy I want to follow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, learn from. Yeah, absolutely not. Can you believe today? Listen, there are people today who actually believe that. Be careful who you go sit underneath and teaching. There are people who do that. I'm the pastor here. I don't need to give. You give. Are you kidding me? If you know your Bible, you would know immediately that is a heresy, that is a lie, and you would walk out and leave. No, no, not at all. It's not a substitute. Serving is not a substitute for giving. Absolutely not. And Paul is making that point to this church in Corinth. Of course, he's not talking to brave, okay? We're not talking about brave, but none of you are underneath this, okay? This is just the church in Corinth. Sarcasm. Okay, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so cool. I love you. Does it make sense? Okay, right. We're just teaching the Bible today. Amen? All right. This is good. Okay. So he says, I love this one. And you're going to love this one too. So pay attention because this is probably one of your favorite verses in all the Bible. You didn't even know it. Okay. So watch this. Verse eight. Watch this. He says, I am not commanding you to do this. Come on. Let's just, amen. See, I told you. I don't have to. Watch this. Come on. We talk about church and giving and all this stuff. I don't have to. I'm not commanded to. Hey, you know what? You just found a Bible to fully support that right there. You just found a verse that you're like, I told you. I knew it. And some of you want to nudge your spouse right now. I told you you don't have to do this. We're not commanded to do this. Paul writes, I'm not commanding you to do this. That he says, what did he say? Look what he says next. But, it's a really big but here. He says, but, I know, I said that on purpose. Some of you are like, did you notice what he just said? Yeah, it says, but I am testing how genuine your what is? Testing how genuine your love is. But how genuine is your love? This is what he does, I think. I think when the church in Corinth is hearing Titus talk to this, I think what you just felt is what many of them may have felt. How genuine is your love? Now, he goes on, he says, How genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. He's pointing to these other churches and he's not, he's just saying, can you just take a look over here for just a minute? Notice what they're doing. And he's wanting this church in Corinth to understand this. I'm not commanding you to do this. According to Paul then, according to Paul about this commandment, according to Paul, giving from a commandment isn't gracious giving. Hear this today. Please hear me on this. Giving out of a commandment because I'm told to, because I'm instructed to, Paul is saying, not why we give, I'm not commanding you. That's not gracious giving. Paul would simply, I think, kind of even parallel it it to this. Giving because you're commanded is no different than paying taxes. Just do it because you have to. You do it because you're told. You do it because there's a consequence if I don't. Paul says that is not giving to the body of Christ. We do not give because we're commanded. Mm-mm. These churches, they gave because of a whole nother reason. They didn't give at all because they were commanded. And they didn't do it so they would be called obedient children. They gave out of a whole another. reason. Reason. Know what the reason is? It's pretty important. Paul's driving out to this church. Verse nine tells us the reason. He's talking to the church in Corinth, and he's talking about these churches in Macedonia. And he's saying, "Let me tell you why they gave." And he comes back to the church in Corinth, and he says, "Because you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ." You know, church in Corinth, you know why these churches are giving this way. You know why they gave amidst severe trial. You know why they gave everything they had and they brought their best to the table. You know why. Because you know the generous grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. And that by his poverty he could make you rich. Jesus you know the story of Jesus and his grace Jesus left the throne and became a servant he laid aside all his possessions just just wrap your head around this he leaves heaven and he comes to earth to lay his head on a rock no place to lay his head at night This is the creator of all the world. According to Jesus, the man Jesus who walked the the earth said, I am also he, referring to God, the creator of all things. And he said, the son of man has no place to lay his head at night. He has elected poverty. Why? For for your sake, for, for you and for me. He's robbed himself of all the majesty in heaven and all the good things up there. And by the way, heaven has awesome flat screen TVs, really nice vehicles. You know what I I mean? This is heaven, right? Like beauty in heaven. I mean, just awesome. And he leaves it all on the table and elects poverty on earth for our sake. This is what Paul is pointing to. And the reason he did it was so that we might become rich. We're bankrupt from eternal inheritance, but now the cross would share in the riches of God's glory. He had all the power to live as the wealthiest man in all of history. Amen to that, that's true. And yet he gave it all up for our sakes. The churches of Macedonia gave like the Lord. Simply put, two ways, take, take a note, write it down, two ways the Macedonian churches followed Christ's example of giving. Number one, their giving was selfless. You look at this chapter, go study it. Go, 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 go read. 2 Corinthians chapter eight, go read it. You will see this so clearly. Their giving was selfless. They never once gave so they would get back. And we see this. Some of you have heard this. Man, if you give, God will return. And then you go, cool, all right. And your thought is, give but internally, you're thinking, so I get back. I can tell you, I have given before, and it was a, like, I was like, come on now, here we go. I remember my wife and I was telling a quick story. My wife and I were, felt like we're supposed to give a number that we're like, that's crazy, you know. We felt like, that, why are we going to give that, Lord? And we kind of prayed about it, but we ended up giving it. And I thought for sure, man, the manna is about to pour on our house. Like, I was so convinced. Like, we gave this large sum of money that we had never given, way beyond our means, and we were challenged in this, and so we did. So we gave it, and I literally thought, oh, man, I don't know what's going to happen, but bonuses are about to roll in. And man, like and this is years ago. This is like 10, 12 years ago, longer than that. And so like a long time ago And we thought oh this is awesome We were like living in a town home You know that was helpful rent Like our in-laws and her parents had kind of used And so we didn't have a lot of money So I thought man this is going to be an amazing year And the first one went by And no increase financially And the second month went by And the fourth and the seventh and the eighth And I began to go did we get that right Because obviously if we gave You're supposed to give back Right but that's the reason Like that's part of it Ten months go by Nothing. You talk about a challenge in faith. Like, wait a second. I put my, hello, you know, I put money on. Did you see the whole faith thing? Yeah, come on. I know I'm preaching to a good room right now of people, somebody who relates to me in this very moment, yes. And so I did that, and then 11 months, I'm like, well, this, this, this whole thing is a joke, <laughs> We obviously got it wrong. And here's ultimately, my wife did end up getting like three times raised, like 12 months in, like after one year. And I think that whole season was just a testing of what the heart behind the giving was in the first place. You never give to get. That is the wrong move. That is selfish giving. This church did not give to get. They gave for another reason, and they gave selflessly. second way they gave, like Christ, was sacrificial giving. You go back, you look at verses one through five. This is so clear in the text. You don't have to turn back there, but look at this. It says, uh, in the midst of a very severe trial, it says their extreme poverty. I love the, they weren't just poor. They were extremely poor. You would say, no, they're not poor like me. And they would say, oh, yes, we were. We were extremely poor. And they gave anyways. In fact, they begged, and they exceeded our expectations, the text says. They gave even to the point of it hurting themselves. I am just here to tell you what a church one time in history did, or multiple churches did in history. You can decide with what you do with the rest, but you can't ignore what this church did. And Chances are, when I tell you about this church, and you hear about this church, you're like, that's a pretty cool church. That's pretty cool. Group of people doing that? Wow. It inspires you and it moves you, and you think that's what the church should do. How many believe this is what the church should do? Give and meet. Now I'm not talking about you, okay? We're not talking about you. We're not talking about you. I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about the church. How many believe the church, the church, okay, the capital C, the local church, should be the most generous organization on the planet. Raise your hand. How many think, okay, I didn't see your hand, so that tells me how many think the church should be the most selfish place on the planet? Okay, let's do this one more time. How many of you believe that the church should be the most generous place on the planet? Like, you know, man, that church should be taking care of all those poor children dying. That church should be able to, no one should be homeless. The church should rise up. The church, the church, the church, the church, the church. You know who makes up the church? You and me, right? So this is what the church did. They gave selflessly and sacrificially, just like Christ. And Christ was their ultimate example. That's why they did it. Christians, listen to me. I heard this statement so good. Christian giving is estimated in terms not of quantity but of sacrifice. Remember Jesus and the widow? It's like, she gives way more than all of you. It's not about numbers. It's about the, it's about the sacrifice of the giving, right? These churches gave to the point it left them in poverty. Now, I am not saying, go, be poor now. and give. That's, that's not what I'm telling you. So you're going to go, what is he trying to communicate? I'm just communicating to you what this church did and then I let you go and decide what is in your heart now. Right? Well, that's what this church did. We can't ignore what this church did. They did it. Why? Well, so clearly why. They needed no persuading. Paul was using these churches as an example to the Corinthian church how to give. Question I asked you in the very beginning. What separates those who need to be persuaded in giving and those who don't? What would cause a church, what would cause a group of people to give this way out of extreme poverty, impoverish themselves more so that others could be rich? What in the world would cause them to do that? And it's the word you find in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 over and over and over and over again. This gracious act of giving. Did you notice? This grace of God moving in their lives. Oh, the grace that God is working through these churches in Macedonia. Oh, these, these grace of God. Over and over and over again, you see this word grace, and it's the answer. They give from grace. I titled the message, and I saved the end to tell you this. The title of today's message is The Difference Maker. The difference maker is grace. And they gave from grace. They gave from grace. I want you to picture this with me what this church did. This body of people wasn't an organization, it was a group of people. How did they give this way? You know what they did? They just stepped back and they just thought about the grace they received. And then you didn't have to persuade him. You didn't have to play a fancy song. You didn't have to move emotion. You didn't have to show a screen. You just, you just know the grace of God and what he did for me. And He left heaven. Came flesh and a man in this way. Fully God, fully man. But he comes and he has no place to lay his head at night. And so when I think about what I'm giving, I'm thinking about the king. The one who laid his life down for me slept on a rock, on dirt, and sometimes got accepted into a house and sometimes didn't. And when he didn't, he washed his feet, keep on moving. He left everything so that I could become rich and experience the fullness of his glory. So when I go to give, that's what I think about. So if you were to talk to the people in this church, just, I'm not, hear me, I'm not, I'm not challenging you to do anything. I'm just telling you what these people did. I'm just telling you what these people did do. They just literally thought about the grace of God in their life. And they thought, why would I need prompting when I just think about grace of God in my life and what he's done? How could I not give so that others could know the same grace that I've come to know? In this specific audience, if you say, well, let's get into theology, he was talking about a group of people who were impoverished. That's true. Brothers and sisters in Christ who were poor, who were in need. Who were in need. And so Paul's taken up a special collection for people who were in need, people who were impoverished. What is he basically saying to them? You're a grace channel. Are you going to allow God's grace to flow through you into others' lives? Like, that's it. And the church in Corinth, you remember the grace that you received? No prompting, no pressure needed here. I have a question for you. If you think about the grace of God, and we know the law. How many of you have heard of the tithe? You've heard of the tithe? Just raise your hand. You've heard of the word tithe. 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%. Raise your hand high so I can see you all. Okay, so most of you have heard about it. How many of you are falling? No, I'm just joking. No, I'm joking. Okay, watch this, though. Watch this. All right, so the law, Old Testament, the law required... A tithe. And then there becomes debate, are we still under the law as a tenth, to, Okay, I've got a better question. Stop worrying about what's required from the law. Stop. I have a way better question. If the law required 10%, which it did, no one debates that. They debate whether or not is it still in existence, the law required 10% of your giving or more some might even say 12% because of special offerings they had to do here's a question I want to propose how much does grace require that's just Jesus don't worry about it (laughs) that was his amen that's like angels amen We're gonna have to get that fixed. What just happened is Andrew's just made a note for staff meeting on Tuesday. AC off until 11.45, you know, or something. Um, That's what just happened. Note to self. Um, But I want you to how much does grace require? Now try answering that. Watch this. Go home, talk to your spouse. If you're single, go pray about it. What percentages does grace require? How could we say less than the law? If the law requires 10, how could we say less? The grace of God, Jesus, put himself on a cross and shed blood for you, gave up all he had, the riches of heaven, to come down as a man and put himself on a cross so that your soul would be saved and have eternal life. Don't put a percentage on that, I think Paul would say. Try it. You won't find one. You'll only be left with one. I'll give you the answer, and it's uncomfortable, but it's true. You know what the percentage is? One hundred percent of what I own belongs to him. There is no other answer. You can't find a percentage. It's seventy-two, Lord. You get seventy-two. How about that? No, Lord. It's all, it's all yours. Everything I have is yours. So for the church in Macedonia, Thessalonica, Philippi and Berea, this was easy. That's why they begged to give. That's why they begged and pleaded, let us be a part of this. How could we not sow seed into this offering, into this giving, when I think about the grace of God on my life? Please, don't rob me of the opportunity. Let me give to him as much as I possibly can. Because they understood the grace of God on their life. As your pastor and leader of this church, I'm not going to debate with you on the law of giving. Instead, I'll encourage you to give out of grace. Difference maker in giving is Grace. The reason people serve and set up and tear down and serve and give and support financially and time, talent, and treasure is because they've come to know the grace of God. And they want to be channels of God's grace through their lives so someone else can come to know that same grace. It's a grace that changes everything. It's the grace of God that changes everything. So don't get caught in the debate of, what does the scripture say? What does this say? Just talk about the grace of God, and all of a sudden, the conversation around giving completely changes, because it requires 100%. Why? Because of the grace of God, because he laid down his life for you and for me. And to him, he said, there's no greater price. What great is the cost? What greater price is to pay for a friend than one who lays down his life for a friend? Like, this is it right here. It all belongs to him. Your time belongs to him. Your talent belongs to him and your money belongs to him. It's all his. Amen. Christ followers don't give in response to pressure. They give in response to a person. Your giving will take on a whole new meaning when you give in response to a person rather than pressure. In fact, you won't even have to be asked or pressured because you're just giving in response to a person, Jesus. is what I invite you to do. I going to invite you to consider the gift of grace before giving a gift. Just consider the gift of grace that you've received before you give a gift. In your life, in your time, to a neighbor, to a coworker. just consider the grace that's been given to you before you give a gift. Why do this? Last thought. When we give from grace, we will finally graciously give. You'll be gracious givers when you give from grace. And I want you all to understand the beauty of Acts 20 where he says, it is better to give than receive. Man, you know how you get that? How do I live that out? Man, I just remember the grace of God. And I want you to be a gracious giver. Because when you give from grace, you will be graciously giving. Because you'll be giving out of grace. You won't have to argue with it in yourself. I'm just gonna give out of grace. The grace of God that he's done for me. And there's so many wonderful people in this church who make it happen. And I know what you're thinking. Now is the time. He's about to talk about some offering. Now he's gonna go pass buckets, special collection. No, no, not at all. No, we don't pass buckets here. We just put stands on the back. Some of you say, why don't you talk about offering more? We don't need, we don't wanna talk about offering more. We'll talk about grace. Now let the grace of God do what he needs to do in your life. That doesn't make us more spiritual than anybody else. That doesn't make us better than anybody else. I just want the grace of God to be the reason that you give, of your time, your talent, and your treasure. And I know this, I'll never have to ask for a volunteer when you're responding to His grace. I'll never have to ask for extra dollars, you know, like when you're giving in response to grace. The only reason why you may not be giving is because you just don't know the grace. Come to know His grace, Lord, you can have it all time, my talent, my treasure. How could I not when I consider your grace? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. I know there's some in this room who don't know your grace yet. If you don't know the grace of God, let me just tell you, Man, Jesus, 2,000 years ago walked the earth. Historically true. Nobody refutes that. But he said a couple of things you might want to know. He said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He made a statement claiming to be God. He says, I'm from heaven. He actually says, I'm the creator of it all. He actually says, I've been given authority over all heaven. And then he does some really interesting things according to People that were eyewitnesses of him. He healed people, he walked on water, and he raised dead people from a grave. Then Jesus, this man, actually predicted his own death. Historically true, documented. He predicted his own death and he described the way it would happen. And then he also predicted his own resurrection several times to different people. He predicted that he would rise from the dead three days after dying. And he did the impossible. He pulled it off. This is Jesus. And the reason Jesus would say that he went to the cross and that he rose from the dead, the reason he would say he did that, this is grace, was for you. Even those of you who don't believe him, even those who would never trust him, he still did it anyway. According to him, he did it so that you could have eternal life and your soul would go on to heaven, be in the presence of him where he would go, prepare a place where you would reign with him for all eternity. That's the grace of God. And I pray that you receive that grace come to know this person jesus father today those who believe in you lord we give our time we give our talent we give our treasure how could we not in light of the grace you've given us so father we thank you for all that you have done for us in jesus name amen amen church okay so on your seats There's a first-time guest card. We'd love for you to fill that out if today's your first time with us. We have a free gift we'd love to give you today and uh, just love to meet you. I'll be back at Brave Central in just a few moments. If you need prayer for something, I would love to stand with you and pray with you. But let me tell you about the most important card on your seat right now before you leave. It's the one that says Brave Steps. Do you see the card that says Brave Steps? It's a navy blue card. And on the back of it, it says follow Jesus. It says get baptized. It says join a group. It says serve with a team. It says give freely. We don't ask you to turn it in and with the one that says give freely. Maybe you need, you need to start giving freely. Like you're just not free to give, but today you're like, man, I need to check that off for me. And then you wanna take it and you can fold it up, and put it in your own pocket. It's fine. Give freely. What that means is we just want you to give freely, not entangled in giving. Understand that we give out of grace. We give freely, right? And so that's that one. And then you've got bring a friend, maybe bring someone back with you. You know, somebody else needs to build the grace of God. Okay, live brave. Is living out your purpose. I encourage you. Just encourage you. Consider what your next step is here at Brave Church. We would love for you, you know, to walk through one of those steps. We're back there in the room to answer any questions that you have for us. So thankful that you're here today. We will be back here next Sunday. Next Sunday the last day for our Christmas boxes. So if you want to grab some of those on your way out, I love you so much. God bless you. Take care. I'll see you back there in a second. Take care.